do 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 Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. This comes to us from Jordan Maywood. Next up, we have Jordan. He's going to tell a joke. We got an answer for Jordan Maywood. Yes, Wood May. Hello, this is Penn Gillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. Eh, I'll ring an endorsement, I guess. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the LibroCube. Uh, my name is Jordan Maywood and I am the lackadaisical LibroCubicalist. This show is like, is not dissimilar to, a journey into my brain to witness all the uh, media I have consumed. Why would I do such a thing? Why wouldn't I just let these uh, dusty thoughts sit in this even dustier attic of my head? And slowly drive me insane because I don't want to do that. No, I gotta clean it out. It's like an episode of a TV show that I can't remember what it was. Where someone uh, was so dumb. uh, It was like every time they learned a new fact. It would push out an old fact. I want to say Futurama. But uh, that might not be right. It wasn't a show. And it could have been a cartoon. Or it could have been a real. A real life boy it could have been i don't know what i'm doing in general or right now at the top of the show to start it one thing i should say is that in this episode some of this media you may not have consumed yourself so i warn of that possibility because things have the potential to be spoiled right now it's in a sort of schrodinger's cat of spoilerage uh, could go either way. We don't know until it will be witnessed. You know what I mean? Probably not, because I don't. I don't. Uh, okay, so uh, I think we'll just jump right in. Uh, one thing I, I did want to kind of say at the top, uh, from my perspective, uh, it is the day after my birthday. Hey, yay, have a happy belated birthday to myself. Uh, so, uh, uh, four of the movies uh, I, I did this year as a sort of, uh, uh, to celebrate a uh, birthday movie marathon, which was uh, which was pretty fun. So, uh, basically, I picked four movies, uh, I invited people over, uh, I started with a G movie, then a PG, then a PG-13, or was that R, and then an R. So, uh, people with kids could come to the first uh, one or two, and then uh, adults could come to the end. Uh, now the thing is nobody came, <laughs> uh, it, it was a long weekend and it's Valentine's day. So, uh, there, uh, and a lot of the people I invited were not even in the country. It turns out allegedly, <sighs> so that's a little depressing. Uh, and then there's the whole age thing, which actually, uh, just on that note of, uh, turning uh, 38 is how old I turned. Uh, that sort of thing actually doesn't bug me at all. Uh, I, I never really think of age and quite often forget how old I am. So uh, you know, there's that silver lining that, uh, of the things I worry about, of the things that keep me up at night, of the, uh, uh, uh things that mess with my brain in not good ways, w- things like no one showing up to a birthday party, for example, uh, <laughs> things that don't bug me 
are uh, uh, turning 38. Yeah, like, I, I really don't care about that. So, you know, Silver Linings. Playbook is not one of the movies I watched. But I will now push a button that will start a series of five-minute timers, five of them to be precise, that will let you know what movies I watched. Ah, huh? Segway? Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rough you some things. Monologue. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Johnny Chimpo Bananas. Thank you for that sponsorship. Movie the first, Super Troopers from 2001. Ah, a broken lizard joint, I do believe, is the name of the company that makes these. The company? The film production company? Sure, let's call it that. Uh, yeah, if you haven't seen this, uh, I think I would definitely put it on my list of movies everyone should see, because it's just very dumb fun. Uh, probably hit me at a time, what was I doing in 2001? Like, somewhat recently graduated from high school, I guess? I think I graduated in 2000, so sort of hit me right in my party days, uh, back when I used to party hearty, heartily. Uh, so maybe there's some nostalgia involved, but, uh, I, I still think it, it holds up, uh, <laughs> the fucking meow thing. I, I, I don't know, man. It's still got me pretty good. Uh, so for that reason, I think I could still give this a five out of five with the asterisks that some of it may be nostalgia for, as I say, my party days. Five Vermont state troopers, avid pranksters with a knack for screwing up, try to save their jobs and outdo the local police department by solving a crime police solving a crime you say uh yeah very very good uh next movie we have is one called tale of tales uh this one uh strange which i enjoy quite often um from the bitter quest of a queen of the Queen of Long Trellist, two mysterious sisters who provoke the passion of a king, to the King of High Hills obsessed with a giant flea, these tales are inspired by the fairy tales of Giambast Basile. Oh, okay. So uh, I, I actually didn't know that part. Uh, starring, uh, among others, Salma Hayek, uh, Toby Jones, Vincent Castle, John C. Riley, among others you'll recognize i am sure uh a sort of fantasy strangeness uh and not just the strangeness of fantasy but the strangest of uh i i think it's the foreignness uh, and i mean this from uh so this gm batista basile uh it's almost like guillermo del toro in that uh his strangeness is strange, yes, period, full stop. But also, then there's that extra sort of little flavor of being foreign to a, a, a you know a Western a, a person like myself. I, I think that actually does sort of play into it, which is a, a curious thing. And, uh, you know, there's that. Uh, Rating-wise, uh, I, I think I'd go like a, a, a four-ish, 
maybe maybe a three-ish. Uh, my rating scale is uh, three is enjoyed while watching, but probably wouldn't watch again. And uh, I don't know if I really necessarily have a desire to watch it again, but I think it would probably not be a bad thing just for the reason that uh, it's very dense, so I probably miss things. Okay, uh, moving on to uh, Alt-Right, colon, Age of Rage from 2018. Uh, this is a documentary about, you guessed it, the Alt-Right. Uh, never has a documentary made me so angry, probably. Ah, <laughs> uh, just, just the people, oh boy. <laughs> okay, so, uh, yeah, Alt-Right people. Should you be able to punch a Nazi in the face? Yes. Okay, let's move on. I'm uh, not even going to give that one a rating. Uh, the, the rating is anger generating. Uh, next we have Overboard. Oh shit, did I screw this up? Oh no, I, I think I did this twice. Did I do the Overboard last week? Yeah, Overboard 1987. Okay, uh, <laughs> I kind of screwed myself a little bit there. Uh, so I watched uh, Overboard from 1987, the OG. Uh, but I pasted the link to the new one because i'm an idiot uh, uh yes yeah, still holds up uh goldie hahn kurt russell uh both in their prime uh if you're unfamiliar with the story well you know what uh we're just about out of time so i will not ruin it for you other than to give my rating of ooh, can i go five um, watch this one with the missus. Uh, I, I didn't realize it was one of her favorites uh, and hadn't seen it in a while. So I, I think I'd go like a solid four. It does have a lot of uh, 1980s uh, uh, comedy tropes in it, which uh, can be to the detriment of the movie sometimes. But again, similar to Super Troopers, if you have nostalgia for movies of this era, I think this one uh, is high among those. Damn, it would have been nice if the timer had ended when I said that. Eh, close enough, right? Today's television talk is rather the aforementioned double movie monologue from my birthday movie marathon list. Sponsor is Morning Napalm. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, movie the first, Coco. Ah, from 2017. Yes, this uh, Disney. Yeah, it is Disney. Uh, I hadn't seen yet. Uh, when it came out back then, I kept hearing good things. Now, my desire for this type of movie is to, uh, you know, borrow a kid to watch it with. <laughs> just so I don't feel weird watching a, a children's movie, which uh, this, uh, you know, it's a kid's movie. But it's also a Disney movie, which quite often anyone, quite often, uh, mostly often, I should say, almost always, probably, uh, you can enjoy young and old alike. And uh, I did, uh, just on that note rating... Uh, I, I probably go three just for the reason that I can't think of a scenario where I might want to watch it again, but there's definitely some cool four and even five out of five moments within it. Uh, and, and this is just my adultness sort of peeking through, I guess that, uh, uh, you know, I, I had enjoyment, but, uh, it, it's not something I want to watch everyday movies of this nature.
It's just every once in a while, you know, watch a, a Disney kids flick, right? Uh, if you're unfamiliar, uh, it's about a kid who travels to uh, the world of the undead, which is pretty cool. It's all uh, about the sort of Mexican Day of the Dead. And, uh, you know, there's music, skeletons, dancing skeletons. Yep. Uh, moving on to movie the second, uh, Big, from 1988. Uh, yeah, holds up, period, full stop, end of discussion. You know, that would be a very short podcast if I did things like that. Uh, yeah, I, I think probably still give it a 5 out of 5. Uh, after wishing to be made big, a teenage boy wakes the next morning to find himself mysteriously in the body of an adult. Uh, as we uh, watched this with the missus as well, she didn't join me for every movie, but uh, this one she did. Um, we sort of, uh, I had the thought that uh, with the remakes abounding lately, they would do one called Small, and uh, we're trying to figure out like what that would be. Uh, the one thought was, and they even, I don't know if they hint at it, they, but uh, at the end of the movie, uh, if you're unfamiliar, Tom Hanks sort of hooks up with this girl, which is a little problematic because he's like a, a, a what, a 11, 12, 13 year old boy in the body of a man who has sex with a woman. So has that woman done something horribly, horribly wrong? Or is the fact that the body is an adult makes it okay? Anyways, uh, aforementioned Cradle Robber, uh, she sort of at the end, they, they hint at the fact, well, he says, why don't you come with me? Uh, like to be small again, I guess she, uh, turns him down because she's sort of been through that before, but, uh, that's what we sort of thought the movie small could be about, uh, the, the sequel where she does sort of turn small again. Uh, cause obviously it would have a gender swap and it would be small and said, what, what's the scenario? You know what? Let's get a little audience participation as I try to do from time to time and I always fail at what would the movie small, what's the premise for the the, the the reboot of the big franchise uh how how and why would someone want to be small question mark okay uh super troopers 2 hey that makes sense yeah uh watch super troopers 1 in preparation for this marathon uh where i watch super troopers 2 which is uh not as good but uh, the fact that it takes place in Canada, and I am Canadian, uh, probably bumps it up for me. Uh, Rating-wise, I think i go three or four. Um, three if it was just standalone, but four because if I watched the first one, I'd probably be like, yeah, let's watch the other one. So there's that. Uh, a lot of the same old jokes. Um, these these guys are just funny guys, so if they make a movie, it's going to be a funny movie, sort of period, full stop. Uh, okay, uh, last but not least, Apocalypse Now from 1979 gets a 6 out of 5. Now, I don't give too many 6s out of 5s. Uh, the reason I do in this case is because uh, after Star Trek 2... After Star Trek 2, The Wrath of Khan, uh, that's the movie I've seen the absolute most, hands down. Uh, more times than I have counted, like, I, I don't know, 20 plus, like, and this is coming from, I, I know there's people out there who watch movies, like, hundreds of times, that's not me, like, normally, I, if I watch a movie, I won't re-watch it for years, like, I, I, I sort of don't like re-watching, because there's so much, there's so much out there, so I like to experience new things, um, so I only have a few exemptions of movies where I'll watch them over and over again. Uh, Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan being the, the, the foremost in that list. And the second being Apocalypse Now. 
I had the, uh, I think it was like one of the only VHSs I ever really owned. Like I never really had any of my own VHSs. Like when I started buying media, it was uh, in DVD form. So I had the VHS, the DVD. Uh, yeah, it's just I've, I've seen it so, so, so very many times. What was interesting, I, I guess it's been a few years. Like I, I couldn't actually remember the last time I watched it, but... Uh, like, I know it's a dark movie, but things sort of, like, hit me harder this year. Like, how uh, dark some of the shit that happens in this movie is. Like, I don't know if I just sort of have a different outlook on life, or... Uh, it's interesting that if you take a movie like this and watch it at different points in your life, that you'll sort of see different things in it, or you'll, you'll have different emotions watching it. It's sort of a fascinating thing, I felt, while I was watching it. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with the movie, uh, this definitely falls in the category of movies everyone should see, I do believe. But uh, just keep in mind, uh, there's some dark shit going on in this. Uh, just in terms of how it's filmed and then actual things you will see uh, and are done by the characters in the movie. The, the whole thing has a, a sort of tinge of just fucked up idness. Yeah, fucked up idness. Today's book banter sponsor is Dr. K. Thulu's Industrial Antacids. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, I uh, have a, a D&D recap. Yes, if you are unfamiliar, every once in a while I will play D&D. &D. Uh, every once in a while I will run a D&D &D game as I am a, as you say, DM, a.k.a. Dungeon Master. And what I will do is uh, when I haven't quite finished a book, which I have not, uh, sometimes I'll throw in a reading the recap because, you know, it's reading, which is book-like, right? Is my justification. Uh, okay, so this session uh, is session 14. Uh, the characters are now at uh, level 16, or I think they were at level 15 in this session, I, I do believe. 15 or 16. Anyways, <clears throat> uh, have a uh, feel free to go back and listen to previous recaps if you so desire. Uh, post Asimoville bubble pop, all the members of the sometimes merry band had, in some cases, both popped out of Anastasia's magic stick and popped back to the Bureau of Balance. Lots of popping, basically. Some rest, recuperation, and of course shopping. And we once again find ourselves with Betty Buttons and the expert he has hired in order to complete the task of somehow tracking and stopping a beast of such enormous scale that not only has it seemingly eaten a handful of ships, but it also seems they were just an appetizer for an entire seaside village that was swallowed in one gulp. A Lovecraftian-looking individual by the name of K. Thulu is equal parts helpful and creepy. With her, with her input, Benny's genius and Captain James T. Clerg's knowledge of airship technology, they've managed to, to convert the thrusting maiden 2 for deep sea travel. Or at least that is the hopes 
as the sound of a ship slowly being crushed by the immense pressure of being at a depth of 500 fathoms is truly terrifying. Uh, courtesy of a Down Periscope movie clip. Yeah, uh, I found a clip from the movie Down Periscope where they're diving and it's making all the sounds and shit, uh, including uh, the clip ending with uh, uh, Kelsey Grammer going bingo. So I sort of played that. <laughs> uh, anyways, what adds to the terror is that from the inky blackness, an even blacker form takes shape, a shape that grows and grows and grows until they realize that what they are seeing is in fact a mouth of some gigantic beast that has swallowed them whole some esophageal traversal and the thrusting maiden to eventually finds itself with some work nestled next to a lake quote unquote that appears to be stomach acid traversing a lake of acid on floating debris is not an easy task but now their mission has turned into one of both escape as well as somehow stopping a creature they are currently inside their first stop on their debris rafts stomach acid tour is the dilapidated remains of a tavern that has seemed to avoid a lot of the digestive process so much so that inside a still living and very drunk a tavern keeper by the name of wc oh yeah i didn't tell the uh, uh the the players wc for wc fields because they are mostly young and wouldn't know who that is <laughs> uh, wc does not seem to realize the situation they are in and seems to think it's just been a slow day so is happy for their patronage he's less happy when ragnar uh, that's one of the characters, challenges him to a drinking contest that ends with him growing a third Beholder Disintegration-style eye on his forehead. Uh, but fair is fair, so WC offers a consolation prize of half a map to the town that he thinks he is still in, and also, apparently, several bottles of rum that were borrowed when he finally did pass out. More on that rum later. Setting off once more, our party finds themselves at a sphincter of some sort that once cut open reveals a decidedly airy area. Uh, yeah, on the note of the timer going off, whenever I do the reading of recaps, the episodes are always longer because the recaps are longer-ish. Uh, a decidedly airy area. So much so that they cannot hear each other speak as the wind gusts in such an incredible velocity. Every surface is made of small alveolar-like holes, and in a beast this size, the air flows to such a degree that they clumsily find themselves hovering in mid-air. Their intrusion in this area does not go unnoticed by a group of air elementals who apparently find a leviathan's lungs a nice vacation spot from the plane of air. A fight ensues, but eventually the air elementers, elementals are cut down to size. Literally. Because uh, as they were hit, I was making them get smaller and smaller. Um, further sphincter travels show them that the scuba gear, self-contained underwater potion apparatus, is still needed as they can spot through a translucent film the next area they will enter is filled with a decidedly red pumping liquid. Blood. Uh, it is within one of the beast hearts that they find giant snake-like reptiles that seem to be feasting and growing and spreading. 
then the difficult choice comes the difficult choice becomes do they help or hinder these parasites they are in a mission to stop the leviathan so are they not in fact allies initially they decide to bypass them but as they do from the opposite direction comes an immense swarm of what any good medical check will tell you are white blood cells the choice is made that since they are they too are foreign bodies uh they should return to the heart and basically see what happens what happens is that white blood cells attack heartworms heartworms attack white blood cells valier ragnar grim and theranam attack everything bites and poison and constitution draining sucking explosions eventually end in fiery deaths for everything except our adventurers uh, they both helped and hindered the leviathan with their actions so it will affect what happens so will it affect what happens next yes leaving the heart they follow the beast's spine and central nervous system until eventually entering a chamber containing what must be the brain of the beast the brain floats in a pool of viscous fluid and seems to be protected by some sort of psychic shield a, sh a, f a shield that flying beaked tentacled brains seem to be able to penetrate with ease yeah i used grell if you google uh, grell 5e uh, you will see a picture of these crazy looking things uh, ba -ba -ba, penetrate with ease go about their business of mechanically moving neural filaments and stimulating nodes which seem to be part of the thinking process of a creature of this size and complexity when a decision to kill the brain is made it quickly goes off the rails as one of the flying brains causes the main central brain to release a pulse that immediately knocks everyone unconscious yeah that was they all failed their uh, saving throws so basically they're in a room filled with bad guys and all of them knocked unconscious in sort of one go that was bad <laughs> for them <laughs> fun for me uh two of the floating brains managed to not only uh, ensnare but also lower theranum and ragnar into the central brains pool where they can feel their personalities being slowly erased uh grim grim miles manages to escape and hide which allows him and valier to focus on fighting in this chamber while theranum and ranger fight for their lives and minds in the central pool things are not looking good valier goes down of course yeah he's uh, w w not too much in the hp department valier uh grim cannot get past the barrier but notices as he kills the floating brain the field protecting the central mass seems to flicker and weaken uh, still trapped inside theranum decides it's time to break out some of that rum uh, not for him, but to pour directly onto the main brain. When he does, the flying brains all seem to stumble momentarily, and their movements become somewhat sluggish. Theranem then, after one unsuccessful attempt, pours a second, high proof, bottle of rum directly onto the brain and lights it on fire. That was pretty smart. And crazy which i enjoy uh theranum ragnar two flying brains and one large one are in a small confined inescapable area all on fire yeah <laughs> yay uh grim uses his blink brooch to free theranum and when the final floating brain pops the force field goes down allowing ragnar to likewise hop from the flames uh 
the brain continues to burn and sizzle and turn to ash until the chamber, skull, they are in shudders violently. Parts of the beast start to shrivel and fall, nearly crushing them. It is then they realize that being hundreds of fathoms underwater and a giant monster that is shaking apart in its death throes is likely not where they want to be. So with a brief stop to convince slash trick WC to accompany them, they make it back to to Captain Clerg, who had been doing what he could to prepare the ship for departure. A departure now made less impossible in that the stomach acid seems to be receding. Uh, A harrowing flight through the literal bowels of the beast and the thrusting made in two really earns the number two as it explodes from the giant's asshole. The... And for now, mission accomplished and such. Game Gavin. Today's Game Gavin sponsor is Adra Lawn Statues. Thank you for that. Sponsorship. Okay, got two games for you today. The first one, decidedly D&D-like, actually. Uh, Pillars of Eternity 2, colon, Deadfire. Oh, or is it Dreadfire? I wrote Deadfire, but why do I want to say Dreadfire? No, it's Deadfire. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, I played the first Pillars of Eternity. Very much enjoyed it. Very much a, a sort of Baldur's Gate experience. Uh, updated slightly, but only very slightly, in its uh, sort of visuals. The story was great. Uh, I think I gave it a 5 out of 5, maybe a 4 out of 5. This is definitely more of the same. Uh, In fact, it's a continuation. Quite often uh, in games like this, like if you look at Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate 2, uh, it's two sort of totally different stories that take place in the same world. Uh, actually, that's kind of funny, uh, just on that note, that takes place in the Forgotten Realms, which is where my campaign setting, uh, for my, the, the game I'm running is sort of taking place. So, hey, it's all connected, people. Uh, this one, uh, yeah, I, 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 like the, the, the last one I beat, this one I have not yet, uh, and I fear that I won't go back to it. Uh, like, I, I do this thing when I'm playing games where... Uh, quite often I'll sort of reach a point and I'll stop playing um, with the thought that, uh, you know what, I have this other game I really want to play right now, so I'll just go play it for a bit and then um, then I'll come back to Pillars of Eternity. But the thing is, I almost never end up going back. I, like, I, I want to, I have a desire to, it's just the time. Uh, like, I, I need more time. Uh, like, this, this feel of time, and maybe it's something uh, birthday-related after all, uh, like, today I got up at, like, 4 o'clock in the morning because uh, I had so much to do today that I don't want to waste this uh, this this day off. Uh, and this day is a gift as well because uh, every year uh, I live in uh, Ontario, Canada, uh, and there's a, uh, a stat holiday called Family Day that I get uh, usually the day after my birthday. So, uh, you know, I really want to take advantage of this time. You know what I mean? You ever feel like you just don't have enough time to do all the things you want? <sighs> Anyways, uh, yeah, so I, I enjoyed what I have played. I do have a desire to play more and go back, um, but will I? The question's sort of in the air a little bit. Okay, so on that note, uh, um, the game number two, Astroneer, 
just came out of beta so this is astroneer version 1.0 and uh, i gotta say man it's really really good uh astroneer was a game i don't know what i gave it i'm gonna say maybe four and i did have fun um but uh but but this one hopping back in i haven't done that since uh no man's sky which is kind of funny because they're they're somewhat similar games uh, in, in that I sort of stopped playing them and then the game has uh, updates enough to make it quite a bit different and then hop back in and uh, what they have changed, what they have added, what they have done, the polish they have put on it um, really I, I, I do think made enough different that like I, I kind of want to stop doing this and play right now like I, I played like all day yesterday um, so you know Astroneer now that it's out of beta, geez, I, I think I go five out of five. Uh, I I feel like it's a game that I'll leave uh, installed. Like uh, I have my Steam library where I'll I'll play a game uh, and I'll finish it, beat it, or decide that I probably don't want to play this anymore, and then I'll uninstall it just to you know I, I don't want to have every single game installed. I have like almost five hundred games now, uh, so I, I just leave the ones installed where I, I think occasionally I'd like to pop in from time to time, and I think that's going to fall into this category. So, you know, yay, Astroneer, final version. Damn, that would have been a good spot for the timer to go off again. <sighs> uh, my one complaint is uh, they start you on a planet where you need tungsten, and there's no tungsten on that planet. Now, that wouldn't be such a bad thing if I hadn't known that. <laughs> Uh, uh, I, I just got to the point where I left the initial planet and I'm on the second one. And that's when I turned it off, so. Tungsten. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie bit me. Today's internet intercourse sponsor is Korean Mashed Potatoes. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, uh, item of the first, Dragon Talk with guest Nerd Poker. Yeah, that's a, a fucking uh, a cool crossover. Uh, it's a cool crass crossover, you might say. Crass cross will make you jump, jump. Mac Daddy make it. Uh, okay, so uh, two podcasts I listened to, Dragon Talk and Nerd po Poker, had a, a bit of a, a crossover there. Uh, so if you're unfamiliar, no, Nerd Poker, uh, comedian folk, uh, sitting down, playing D&D, &D, uh, and it's been going on for many, many, many years. Uh, Brian Prosane, host with the most. Uh, and uh, Dragon Talk, uh, the official sort of D&D &D Sword Coast uh, podcast where they uh, talk about a wide variety of thing, have a wide variety of guests and uh, just sort of delve into the lore and, and give tips and tricks and uh, a, a good podcast if you are running a game just to watch and sort of, uh, or sorry, listen to and pick little ideas out and stuff like that. Uh, highly recommend. Uh, they combined into one episode. Yeah, uh, they had on uh, Blaine Kapach and Dan Telfer. Uh, Dan Telfer is the one running the game, Blaine Kapach. Uh, don't tell them on uh, Nerd Poker, but I, I think he's my favorite. Yeah, for sure. Uh, just uh, and every time he's come up on the podcast, which has been uh, every once in a while, because uh, he used to be on uh, At Midnight, 
I uh, actually used to write on that. He's written on a bunch. Uh, just one of the quickest, funniest human beings on the planet, Blaine Kapach, uh, and has a sense of humor that uh, seemingly is exactly mine. <laughs> or if not mine, one that tickles mine to no end. Uh, yeah, uh, and the, the other sort of thing that I want to say of Blaine Kapatch is every time I, I've had sort of interactions with him on Twitter, like I said, like, uh, you know, I like you or I like this thing you did. Uh, he's, he's always been very, very nice. So, uh, thank you, Blaine Kapatch. This episode goes out to you. Huh? Ah, yeah, you know what? Let's call this just because, uh, he's earned it. Not that this... We'll call this the Dedicated to Blaine Kapach episode. Yeah, how about that, eh? Uh, uh, okay, so uh, moving on to uh, Clear and Vivid podcast, which I, I don't know if I brought that back yet. Uh, host Alan Alda, his whole deal is communication. How do people communicate well? Uh, how do they get their ideas across? And um, that's sort of the focus of this podcast. Uh, the particular episode I want to talk about was he uh, did a little reunion with uh, the cast of MASH, uh, which was a show I used to watch and have seen every episode multiple times because it's a good show. Uh, the funny ones are better than the non-funny ones, in my opinion. Um, he had on uh, uh, Hot Lips Hulahan, uh, Loretta Swift. Oh, let's see. You know what? I didn't write any of this down. Let's see if I can remember names because I'm not good at names. Uh, he had on uh, Radar O'Reilly, uh, Gary Berghoff. Oh, my God. <laughs> he had Corporal Klinger. Oh, what was his last name? Oh, no, it was Maxwell Klinger. Klinger, uh, who played by Jamie Farr. Uh, and then he had uh, BJ Honeycutt, uh, played by... Uh, that one I don't think I'm going to get. Uh, I forget what his actual name is in real life. Yeah, and they all just uh, sort of sat around in uh, talk of old times and shit like that. Uh, it was really, really fun, actually. Uh, so if you were a fan of MASH, that episode will definitely be for you. Or just a fan of uh, humans who did a job a long time ago, uh, sort of reuniting and shooting the shit a little bit. Hey? You can't go wrong. Uh, okay, uh, next we have uh, MCDM Campaign Diary. Oh, yeah, this is interesting. Uh, Matt Koval DM. I've spoken... Man, got a lot of D&D shit this episode, uh, which seems to happen often lately, does it not? Anyways, uh, Matt Koval, Dungeon Master, uh, he has started his own uh, campaign. Uh, I watched the first episode and uh, enjoyed it. Uh, it was like fairly long and he does something called a campaign diary which is similar to my recaps actually uh, my recaps are a little more story focused where him his is more uh, uh, story as well as sort of behind the scenes the technical stuff which I which I dip into a little bit like explaining some things but he'll, he'll go more into the weeds on that which is I think why I love them so much uh, and the reason that I, and I don't think I'm alone, in fact I saw some comments, which I don't know if he, what I'm curious about, uh, because I wouldn't want to hurt his feelings, because he's seemingly an incredibly nice person, does he care, does he worry, does he not like the fact that uh, seemingly there's people out there, um, you know, myself among them, who prefer uh, watching the campaign diary to the actual full-length 
uh, play of the game? I, I don't know. Or, or is he just happy that people enjoy what he puts out into the world, no matter which, we'll say, version of it it is? Question mark. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'd be curious to, to hear his answer. Uh, anyways, uh, if you are a DM, watch these. Just sort of period full stop. Anything he puts out there, uh, dungeon um, DM uh, related, uh, I think is amazing. But this in particular, because you could tell uh, his sort of love of the campaign he has started sort of flows through. And then you'll see his sort of decision-making process, which I, I think is why I like it even more than the actual campaign. The campaign diary is, you can really see his thoughts into doing what he's doing as he's doing it. Uh, sort of a fascinating peek behind the scenes. So very, very much recommend that. Last but not least, we're out of time, but we're going to jam this in here. The uh, Pointless Podcast with uh, host Kevin Pereira had on guest Tommy Tellerico. Yes, Tommy Tellerico, who I did not realize this until listening to this episode, is cousins with Steven Tyler. Uh, apparently Steven Tyler of Aerosmith. Uh, his uh, real name was Steven Tellerico, which is interesting. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with uh, Tommy Tellerico, uh, you, you must not know video games, dude. Uh, yeah, he's been in the video game biz for a long time, uh, usually in the musical uh, areas, but uh, also was on a little show called uh, Reviews on the Run with Mr. Victor Lucas. Victor Lucas, who uh, I've had the pleasure of meeting on more than one occasion. In fact, right now I'm looking, and I'm doing this for the purposes of the podcast, but it's on one of my shelves. I'm looking at a bag of coffee that uh, uh, Victor Lucas signed. Hey, how about that? Why would I have such a thing? It's insane. Uh, yeah, uh, so, uh, man, the, the, this dude is just oozing with, jeez, uh, machismo. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and call it that. Uh, he is trying to start up a, uh, not start up a company, he, he works for, oh shit, was it Activision? Interplay? Uh, uh, you, well, hey, you'll just have to listen to that podcast yourself. And he's trying to uh, uh, create a new console, which is ballsy. But uh, as quite often comes up over the course of that interview, if anyone can pull it off, it sounds like it's going to be Tommy motherfucking Tellerico. Uh, so, you know, there you go, folks. We did it. Whew, we did it. 5.37 a.m. and recorded a 45-minute podcast already. Do you love it? I do. And you. That leaves one final thing, which is always the final thing to say, which is actually a quote from MASH, the aforementioned. It's nice to be nice to the nice. Done and done. And I mean done. Done and done. (laughs) I like Ron. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't.
and seen it shine Wait till the warm-up's underway Wait till our lips have met Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper.